we have been going through the book of John. We started that series two weeks ago. And again, if you, I would encourage you, uh, go online, watch some other video series. There's some great messages out there on the book of John. But I'd encourage you. So uh, last week I gave you a little bit of history, or two weeks ago, about John and the author, who he was. And um, I said that the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, were written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the synoptic Gospels. And what that means, it's a Greek word. It means seeing or viewing together. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can compare them and go, okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all kind of telling the same stories in about the same order. But John is a little bit of an aberration. And the reason that it's different is because John wrote it much later in his life. He didn't write it at the same time that the other guys wrote there. So there were some things that stuck out to him. One of the things, for example, is the the story of John the Baptist. Each one of these gospels tells somewhat of a story of John the Baptist, but John tells us about uh, John the writer, the author. Uh, I'll call him, right now I'll call the author of of the book of John, Big John. So Big John tells us about John the Baptist. Big John tells us about his testimony about John the Baptist's testimony and this is what he writes in John chapter 1 starting in verse 19 now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites those would be the religious leaders of the day to ask him who he was he did not fail to confess but he confessed freely I am not the Messiah we're looking for a Messiah I'm not him that's not me They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So that kind of begs the question, why in the world would he ask him if he was Elijah? Does anybody remember how Elijah died in the Old Testament? He didn't, right? He didn't, trick question. He did not die in the Old Testament. Here he was couple thousand years before and Elijah had a, a, uh, 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 an apprentice with him. His name was Elisha and Elisha's job was to keep your eye on Elijah. He was a prophet. He was doing amazing things for God and Elisha was told, you keep your eyes on the prophet and you will get a double portion. If you see him go, you'll get a double portion of his teaching ability and his prophetic ability. And, and we see that actually happen. And what happened is pretty amazing. It actually happens in 2 Kings chapter 11. Think about this. You're just walking along with your buddy. You know, you've got a, a, a teacher, a mentor you're walking along with. And all of a sudden, as they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire, like, okay, a chariot of fire, and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. Again, I think we read scripture way too fast. You're walking along, and a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Now, we've seen a few of these in the movies, but real deal. Comes screaming in there, pick him up, and he takes off, and he never dies. We don't have a record of him dying. And then throughout the New Testament, or throughout the Old Testament, Malachi talks about in the end of days, the prophet Elijah is going to return. And so these guys, that's actually in Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. In the great and terrible day of the Lord, God's gonna send Elijah back. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses prophetically refers to the Messiah as the prophet 
And so these teachers of the law, teachers of the Old Testament rules, they recognize that there's a day coming when a Messiah is gonna come. And so who is this guy? He's out teaching and preaching and baptizing. So who, are you the one? And he's like, it is not me. I'm not the one. He clearly says that his role and his reason for, well, let's, let's go on and read John chapter one, starting at verse 22. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer so we can take it back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, another Old Testament prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, and said, he's saying, it's not me, but I'm telling you, Get ready. Get ready because there's one who's coming after me. Actually, he says, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. He was before me. He's after me. He's around me. He's, he's the one who created it all. Get ready because he's coming. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent out questioning, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? This is... Again, you'd have to look up, you'd have to go back and do some research. John said, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you there stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Uh, This all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. It was not uncommon for people to get baptized even if they didn't know God. Sounds peculiar, doesn't it? Nowadays we'd call that a shower or a bath. If they were cleaned of some sin, if they said, you know what, I've just got this problem in my life, I just gotta tell you, man, I've been, I've had this drinking issue and I got some things going on, and man, my heart's just been wrong, and can you just help me? And so they might go and confess. They don't have to confess to a religious leader. They just simply confess to somebody, and then they go out and go, you know what, we need to cleanse you. you, you, you we'll, just, we'll just wash those sins away. The whole concept of washing sins away goes way back into the Old Testament. That's not necessarily a, a Jesus thing. That whole concept has been around for a long time, so they're going to purge and clean. So that's kind of what that is. But John says, there's somebody, I'm only baptize you in water. It's symbolic of, but there's somebody who's going to cleanse you even deeper. How many of you know when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, when Jesus forgives you, when Jesus washes away your sins, it's a whole lot different than just asking somebody, you know what, I got a problem and and can you help me? I'm sorry about it. When Jesus gets a hold, there's something different that takes place. John chapter one, starting in verse 29. uh, Then uh, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. That's the one I was talking about right there. You didn't recognize him, I didn't recognize him, but he's the one. Sorry about that. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. John was actually his cousin. If we read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell us that John was actually Jesus' first cousin, but he didn't know him. He knew who he was, but he did not know that he was the Messiah. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down on him from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize you with water told me that the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain on is the one that I will baptize with the Holy Spirit 
I have seen him and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John's sole purpose was not to come to bring forgiveness, but John's sole, John the Baptist, his sole purpose was to reveal to the children of Israel, you didn't know him, I didn't know him, I really wasn't even sure who he was, but when I went to baptize him, I saw this dove come down, I saw this bird come down and land on his shoulder and stayed there. God told me to come and do this. I know that he's the one. He is the one. He's the one we've been waiting for. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been hoping for. He's the one we've been praying for. He's the one we've been believing for for all these years, for all these decades, for all these generations. He's the one. John's a unique cat. In, in these next verses, we'll listen to this in John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. We'll just read a little bit more. Turning around, Jesus saw them uh, following and asked, what do you want? So, So here's John, he's got disciples. He has followers. He's got his buddies, they're, 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 that's his posse. These are people that hang out with him, okay? And he's like, look, there's Jesus. And they go, we're gonna go follow him. What? John's like, what, what am I? Cho- you know, like, am I chopped liver? What do you mean you're going to follow him? We don't see that as a matter of fact. I believe John probably sent him, look, that's the one. He's the one you really wanna go and follow. And then Jesus does this amazing, I, I think this is amazing. He turns around and he asks these guys, what do you want? And they say to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come on along. Just come on along, he replied, and you'll see. And so they went with, see, that's Jesus' heart. We have lots of people who kind of want to watch Jesus at a distance. They want to watch Christians. At, uh, I've had people ask me, well, you know, like, what's it like to, to really say, I'm going to surrender and I'm going to give my heart to Jesus? There's no, the only thing you can do is cross the line. Come on. Come on along. Don't stop. Don't stop out there. Don't stay out here and go, I wonder, I, I kind of wonder what it's like. Follow Jesus. Take that next step. Come on along. Jesus said, come on along. Follow me. You want to know where I'm staying? You want to know what this thing's about? The invitation's there. Come. Come on along. I want to tell you, I don't care where you're at in life, you want to know what that next step is going to be like with God? Follow him. Come on along. Follow him. If you'd have told me 40 years ago that I was going to be pastoring a church and leading and preaching, nope. Give me cars. Give me motors, gives me things I can fix. And yet God says, come on along. I got a, I got a, I got a journey. You want to see where I'm going? Come, come on along, follow me. And I can tell you from my perspective, and I think others would, would tell you the same thing, and nothing like that journey, man. There's nothing like crossing that line. It's like, really? Like, what's on the other side? You're not going to know what's on the other side until you take that step. You're just not going to know. And you know what? You're not going to know what forgiveness is like. And you're not going to know what healing of your soul is like. As long as you stand on the outside and go, well, I wonder. You know, I've got a lot of garbage in my past. I wonder. Jesus said, come on. Cross the line. Come on. Follow me. Come on. I think he's telling us that every day. Come on. Just, just keep coming. Keep, keep on coming. So John points out that, you know, my, my role here. 
My role is simply to point out who the Messiah is. So we look at everything that takes place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the things that happen from here on out after, after John, John uh, confronts, uh, one of the, uh, confronts Herod, uh, ends up getting, him, getting beheaded, going to jail. All that stuff, I think, was, was part of it. But the real purpose, the real goal, the real thing John did was to point out who Jesus was. Wanted to be very, very clear. So here we are in the end of uh, chapter one, and we begin to look at the ministry of Jesus. So, so I think it's really clear as we look at John chapter one to say, okay, there's this, this writer, this disciple whose name is John, big, big John. There's John the Baptist, and then we actually begin the ministry of Jesus. So John is also, uh, big John is the only gospel that recounts the calling of the first five disciples. We don't see that in any other gospel. The first disciples, uh, uh, disciplined followers of Jesus. John chapter one, starting in verse 49. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John, so Andrew was hanging out with John the Baptist. He's hanging out with John the Baptist. He was one of the two who heard what John said and he had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter, okay. Does anybody see that as odd, except me? Like, Jesus is standing there, and along comes Lowell, and they shake hands, and Jesus says, first first words out of his mouth, I see that your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Cephas. I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you the rock. That's what it means, the rock. I'm going to call you the rock. Like, well, no, it's Simon. Yeah, I know it's Simon, but I'm going to call you the rock. Yeah, but my name is... I mean, anybody ever done that? Hey, hey, Kevin, nice to see you, Kevin. I'm going to call you John from here on out. Karen, I'm gonna call you and, and Andrea. How's that from here on out? Anybody ever do that to you? You're like, well, you're gonna call me what? <laughs> Simon. My name is Simon. Simon. You know what Simon means in, his, in the original language? We don't name people after characteristics. Like my mom named, my mom, my name is uh, Timothy. I was actually named after a movie star. See, when I was young, I thought, well, that's, then I watched Timothy Hutton in a couple movies and I thought, he ain't that good. I didn't make any difference. God doesn't name us after movie stars. Those people used to name their children after certain characteristics. You know what, you know what Simon means? Simon was the listener. The listener. You ever read much about Peter? Not much of a listener. He was a leader, but he, he wasn't much, much of a listener. Uh, y- your name is Simon, but I'm gonna call you Cephas. Okay, everybody, I want to introduce you to Cephas over here. I know y'all call him Simon. We're going to call him Peter from here on out. Cephas translated Peter. We're going to call him Peter. It doesn't seem like there was a big discussion. It doesn't seem like there's any explanation. Jesus said, I'm going to change your name. I, I kind of want to camp here for a few minutes. Because 
I mean, you're talking about a fisherman, we're not talking about a fisherman like a fisherman who goes out on Detroit lakes and he's you know, go fish. This guy was kind of a rough and tough kind of a fisherman. I mean, these guys were, they went out, there was huge storms on these lakes. They weren't, didn't have trolling motors and they didn't have you know, GPS guided trolling motors so they set it at 18 feet and the boat just takes over. And they didn't have big shorelander trailers and four wheel drive trucks and fancy fishing rods and reels. These guys lived out on the water with big seine nets. They didn't have big motors motors to drag those nets back in. As a matter of fact, we read at another point in scripture here that, that Jesus told them to put down their nets on one side of the boat. They've been, ah, we've been fishing all night. He's like, put your, no, put your net down on the other side. It's like, well, what difference does it make what sides? They put their net down and it almost swamps the boat. Big boats, not little boats, big boats. So many fish that swamped the boat. These were, these were tough guys. They were, they were tough guys. And then you think about, think about this, okay, th- think about Andrew as his brother. It's okay, I got a couple of brothers. So Andrew, this is his brother. And, you know, again, I'm just imagining, I think we read through scripture way too, too quick, so, but Andrew one day goes home and, and mom says, hey mom, we're home. She's like, okay Andy, it's, it's good to have, I'm glad you're here, you know, you go get washed up for supper. Yeah, I brought a friend. Oh, where's Simon at? <laughs> oh, that's the friend. We call him the rock now. I mean, what's mom gonna think of this? I named him Simon, you're calling him Peter. What's going on here? If you don't get those kinds of things, you just read scripture way too fast. You gotta think, there are people that are attached to these names. What is what Uncle Bob gonna think? What you, I'm not gonna call him Peter. I mean, is that a, was that a middle name? I kinda forgot what, what is his middle name? Jesus is walking around changing people's names. Wait, why does he do it? He does it because there's a change in purpose. There's a change in direction. There's something new that's going on in his life. I wonder, what would God change your name to? What would God change my name to? Is our life the same after Jesus came in? You know, we were just talking about this the other morning. We're, we tell stories about when we were kids and when we were sinning. Scott and I were talking and Hokey was there and Raymond and Caleb. We're, t- we're talking about our life before Jesus and it's like telling somebody else's story. Do you know why it's like telling somebody else's story? Because according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, we're telling somebody else's story. That old man is dead. That nature is dead. The Tim that was here before Christ, the Tim Rice that was here before Christ is not the same Tim Rice that came after Christ. Right? How many of you know that's true? Old old things have passed away. Behold, all things become the old things have passed away. I haven't smoked pot in decades. Amen. (laughs) From a former brother in arms. I haven't gotten drunk in decades. Well, I don't have to. That old man is dead. What does God say to you? Let me ask you this. What have people said about you? What have people said? Oh, Scott Eiley, I ain't gonna end up in jail. You're probably gonna kill somebody. Alan Schoenberger? We'll have a conversation about Alan Schoenberger. We'll write a book about Alan Schoenberger. It ain't gonna be any good. He did end up in jail. Lowell Hunt, he eh, got some leadership skills, but that boy's got a temper. Well, what would people say about you previous to Christ? Because here's the deal. 
The real thing is, what does Christ say about you afterwards? Does Christ say about Scott Eiley afterwards that he is a hopeless case? No. They say that, that Myrna is absolutely lost and there's no hope for her? What about those of us who struggle with sin? Anybody struggle with sin before Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Anybody struggling with it right now? Because most of you are lying. Your hands didn't go up. We all struggle with sin. We struggle with bad behavior. We struggle with not doing things right. And Jesus, I believe, would call us by a different name. Does that mean I need to change my, my mailing address or the name on my mailbox? Probably not. I'm not lost. I'm redeemed. I'm not hopeless. I'm hopeful. I'm not an addict anymore. I'm not a doper. I'm not a stoner. I'm not a smoker. Those are things that God set me free from. He changed me inside, and that all transformed and changed me outside. Peter was no longer, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. They were, they were really glad. He's going, you, Simon, man, you need, you need to be a good listener, son. You're not a good listener. You need to be, that's your name. It's Simon. That means good listener. You're a good listener. He was not a good listener. He was a charge forward kind of guy. He was a manly man. Ooh, can't say that in this culture, can we? Yes, we can. He was a real man. He did real man stuff. All the things that we read about, about Peter, so, so you say, well, okay, God goes in, and he even goes so far as to change his name, so he must be somebody new. Does that mean that he overcame all those things immediately? No, 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 no. All of Peter's failures in scripture, we read about all those failures after he accepted Christ, after Jesus gave him a new name. He still had failures, right? Well, some of us still have failures. Jesus takes us from being Lazy. He takes us from being addicted. He takes us from being hurting. You name it. I don't care. I don't care what anybody's called you. I don't care what anybody's called you. Jesus wants to call us to something different. You've got an addiction. You've got a hurt. You've got something going on in your life. You know what? I've got it in my notes. And I've debated and I've debated, and I've debated. But maybe you're a woman here, and someone has decided that they're gonna, you had a, a, a bad past, and, and, the, and the tramp, or the, I'm sorry, but the word slut has come across. I don't like saying, but I just feel like there's somebody who's been, who's had that attached. And God just wants to set you free from that. It's not just about drugs and alcohol. It's from all of our behaviors. It's from all of it. I don't care what it is. God wants to set you free from that. Don't hang on to that anymore. We cross that line. It's like Jesus saying, just, just come on. Just, come, just keep following. Just come on. I'm gonna take you out of that. I'm gonna deliver you from that. Come on, I'm gonna take you out of that. You wanna know where this is going? Come on, come follow me. I don't care what the word is. I don't care what society or, or family or ex-friends or who have labeled you with it. And, and we have... We have failures that go along with life. Peter was one of Jesus' inner circle. I mean, he was one of the, the three main disciples. And yet we see that he, he blew it when there was, he was there for the, the Mount of Transfiguration when, when we, he saw Moses and there's all this stuff that's going on and Jesus is like, we should build a temple. 
or, or, or Peter said, we should build a temple. It's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Peter and John were asked to, to go and prepare the, the, the Passover meal. I mean, he was, he was special, and yet we find that he, he, he was the one who walked on water. He's, he walked on water. Jesus, Peter says, if that's really you, God, call me out there, and Jesus is like, come. So he starts walking on water, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus. You ever take your eyes off of Jesus? Takes his eyes off of Jesus, and the next thing you know, he's sinking. Jesus scoops him up out of the water. Why did you, why'd you move your eye? Why'd you change your vision? Why'd you, why'd you stop looking at me? Peter was the one who rebuked Jesus. Jesus talking, this blows me away. Jesus is telling him, this is how I'm gonna die, and Peter rebukes Jesus. That's like my two-year-old grandson looking at me and going, no! Thinking, you know, I could drop kick you across the room. <laughs> and in days past, I may have. You wouldn't even know what hit you. But out of love, out of compassion, Jesus didn't drop kick Peter. And I didn't drop kick my grandson. But you think about that for two years. No! I give you no. Sorry, that one really sticks there. Uh, it was Peter. Peter, when Jesus is getting arrested, he, does it, he pulls out his sword and he chops a dude's ear off. This is after he's been following Jesus for three years. He's still got some rough edge. Wow, out comes the sword and he laughs. He just lobs a dude's ear off. She's like, come on, man. How long have we been doing? You got that? Give me that ear. Let's put that back on for you now. Y'all got to read scripture slower. You got to let your mind wander a little bit. He lobbed his ear off. Mike Tyson. I don't know. <laughs> Peter's the one who's going, I'll never forsake you, God. I'll never forsake you. Others might leave. And Jesus is like, you're going to forsake me. You're going you're gonna to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Three times. Not me, not me, not me. Was it, was, were you with Jesus? No. Nope. Were you with Jesus? No. Nope. I think he was with Jesus. Beep, 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 beep. I was not beep, 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 with beep, 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 Jesus. Says he swore. Says he cursed. This, we know all that about Peter after Jesus said, I'm gonna change your name, I'm gonna change the direction of your life. So if you failed, I know maybe we're in a congregation where people have never failed after they accepted Jesus, but I think there might be a couple of us who have failed since we accepted Christ. I'm telling you, the love of God, the grace of God, every one of these songs that we sang this morning is about him coming and knocking down the doors and saying, come back, come with me, come follow me, just come, come on. You wanna see how this is gonna go? You wanna see where I'm living, where I'm staying? Where I'm... Come and follow me. Come, come on, come, come and be with me. God is in the restoration business. He's in the healing business. He's in the change business. Look at what Peter, in his own words, decades later, Peter writes this. In, in 2 Peter chapter one, he's writing to the church. He's writing to those who righteous, through the righteousness of God our Savior have received a faith. So he's, he's writing to us. And in 2 Peter chapter one, verse five, he says, for this very reason, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You've been given faith, add goodness to it. What does that mean? 
That means if you've been given faith, start doing good. You mean goodness is not just going to run me over like a freight train? No, start doing so. Add goodness. And to your goodness, add knowledge. What does that mean? Read. Add knowledge. Read. Read a book. Well, I don't like reading books. Add knowledge. Sit down and talk to somebody who's older who can add knowledge. Add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection. To mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, in it, listen to this, Peter says, if you, this is the rough guy, this is Peter, he's the dude who chops somebody's ear off. He's like, if you will add all of these things to your life in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever sat down and go, I just don't got it. I don't know, man, I don't qualify. Like, I know I'm supposed to be doing things, and I don't, I just, I, pfft. I don't qualify. My faith is ineffective. My faith is unproductive. Here, here's the system. Add some things to your faith. Add some things. Add some knowledge. Add some brotherly kindness. Add some love. Add some of these things to your life. God will change your life. He'll make you effective. He'll make you fruitful for the kingdom of God. You're like, no, I'm just stuck over here because I can't seem to quit. I can't seem to quit cussing. I can't, I can't seem to quit drinking. I just... What is that channel again I I like to watch? Oh yeah, that one where all the crap is on. Well, you're adding something to your life, right? You're adding something to your life. You're just adding ineffectiveness. That's what you're doing. You're adding junk to your life. It's gonna take you farther away. Peter says, look, add some good stuff to your life. And it interests me, it just interests me when I look at the people that Jesus surrounded himself with. You know what, Jesus even surrounded himself with a wisecrack. Here's one of my favorite passages in all scripture. It gives me hope, it gives me hope. So we got Peter, God wants to change his life. The next day Jesus decides to leave for Galilee and he finds Philip and he says to Philip, follow me. Same thing, Philip, come on, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and he told Nathanael, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, verse 46, one of my favorite, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We used to say the only thing good came out of Wisconsin was Highway 2. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? There's nothing. Jesus liked wisecrackers too. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael, here you go. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here is a true Israelite, and in him there is no deceit. You're gonna get the story from him. That's the real story. He ain't lying. This, this, I know this guy. Jesus answered, I saw, oh, how do you know me, Nathanael said. I saw you while you were sitting underneath the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree. You're gonna see a whole lot greater things than that, this next verse. Then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Come on, come on, come on. You wanna go on a ride? Come on. You wanna see change in your life? Come on, follow me, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I think God's saying that to each one of us today. You want to see a ride? You want to go on a ride? You want to go on a ride of your life? You want to see things? You want to see? You want to go out and feed starving people? Come on along. I'll take you to Haiti. Come on along. 
You want to go and see God do miraculous things? Come on, just start, start praying for Start reaching out to people. Go up to them and start talking about the truth that you have. Come on. You say, well, well pastor, it just doesn't work that way. Not every time. But I'll guarantee you it won't work if you're not following him. I'll guarantee you. You look at all these disciples. They actually went to their buddies and said, hey, come on, you got to see this thing, man. I mean, you gotta, you got to come along. I think God wants to change us. I think he wants to take us from the place where we've been. You, especially if you find yourself ineffective for, for Christianity. You find yourself going, I just can't. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. That's absolutely right. You can't. When you follow Jesus, he'll do it in you. He'll do it through you. Amen? We're going to pray. God, I just thank you so much for each person here. I thank you for your word, Lord. This is just so much fun to read your word and to see how you responded to people. See how you changed Simon from, from a listener to a rock. I mean, he was a rock. He was one that people ran to. Is that the truth of the revelation of who you are? He, he got a hold of that, God. I just thank you because I believe there are people in this congregation that you want to change. There are people who are watching online that you want to change. You want to transform them from somebody who's ineffective for you to somebody who's a rock for you, somebody who's an anchor, somebody who you can use in the kingdom of God. Peter said we've got to add some things to it. We've got to add. We don't just get to sit and, and just expect you to do it all. But when we do, God, when we do, you're going to change us. You're going to transform us. You're going to breathe life into us. You invite us to come on a journey. And God, I just believe you to take us on that journey in Jesus' name. Amen? Hey, if you want someone to pray for you, you know what? I'm really kind of stuck in this. I've gotta, I'm kind of in Simon mode, and I really need, a, I need to jump to this Cephas mode. I need God to change Got a couple of people who are coming pray for you. Sally's going to come up. Lonnie's going to come up. We'll pray for you. And just ask God to do that in your life. Otherwise, you're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen? Amen.